If you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Genesis chapter 27. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I'd go to church, but you know, if I did, the walls would cave in. Like you're, ooh, really bad. Well, you know, when you read the Bible, you realize what kind of scoundrels God used to accomplish his work, which ought to give every one of us great hope. God, you know, I've shared this so many times. God is bigger than the things that we've done wrong. And one of the things you're going to find over and over in the Bible, which should be of great encouragement to all of us, is that God loves you in spite of the things we've done wrong. That's good news, friends. Because I'm so used in this world of conditional love. I love you if you perform my way. But God doesn't say that. God says, I love you, period. Friends, we need that. That is what's called God's unconditional love. And if you've never received God's unconditional love, I pray today this would be maybe the first day of the rest of your life to realize that you are loved. Not because of your performance, but simply because God simply says, I love you. The Bible says, why we were yet sinners, stumble bumbling around, doing our own thing, why we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Friends, that's so important. Because so many, so many people think God loves good little boys and hates bad little boys. But the point is, is that God loves everybody. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. You say, Mike, what's that got to do with what we're going to read today? Because in this particular chapter in the Bible, nobody did anything that they were supposed to be doing. And yet God's plan still went forward. I don't care whether you look at Isaac, Rebekah, Jacob, you look at Esau. I don't care what player we see today, you're going to see nobody followed righteous protocol. But God's will and plan still went forth. Well, if you, again, if you have your Bibles, we're in Genesis chapter 27. Before we go into Genesis 27, we want to read the last couple of verses of chapter 26. But before we do, let's pray. Father, we just ask you now for the anointing of your Holy Spirit to come upon first your word. The God, that this, this wouldn't be ink on paper, but these words would come alive in our heart to bring hope, encouragement, blessing to every person listening today. And second of all, God, you would bless us and that we would be able to retain, remember what we hear today. So when those times of trying and testing come, we will not be disheartened, but we will be encouraged in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go to 26, the last two verses of 26, because this is going to be important to understand 27. Now, again, once again, friends, the Bible says, according to Isaiah, line upon line, precept upon precept is how we're supposed to learn God's word. Hopscotching through the Bible will never produce anything in your life of substance. It is through the systematic study of God's word that we know who God is. In other words, you don't like to be taken out of context. God doesn't like to be taken out of context either. And so as we look at this today, we're going to notice a couple of things. And we realize that the chapters and verses were not in the original Torah. They weren't in the original manuscripts. Those were added in by translators to help us find our favorite Bible verse and chapter. But when we look at this today, you're going to see something really interesting, how people will go against God's call and, their, and a person's own conscience. Now look at verse 34. When Esau was 40 years old, he took his wives, Judith, the daughter of Bari, the Hittite, and Basma, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. Now here's the important verse. Verse 35, and they were a grief to the mind of Isaac and Rebekah. Their oldest son married women of the world. Not with the same value system as what Esau supposedly was supposed to have. Now you say, why is that important? Because I believe, as the Bible says, how can two walk together unless they're in agreement? 
This is why it's really important, as we know, if you're single or you know somebody that's single, you're going to be just, as a Christian, ask for advice about dating and things. One of the things I can tell you, unless a person is in the same heart, you will not be able to walk together. Esau had no regard for the things of God. This is why he sold his birthright to Joseph for uh, Jacob for a mess of pottage. Well, now we find as we go into verse chapter 27 how this adds up and what it does. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered him and said, Here am I. He said, Behold now, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. First of all, I see a couple of things here. First of all, when he was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see, he called Isaac, or excuse me, called Esau to be there with him. And he said, I don't know the day of my death. Now, I know a lot of us think this is it. You know, we get sick or whatever, I'm going to die. Now, just to let you know, he, he writes this here. He lives another 43 years past what we're reading right now. So he somehow maybe thought he was on his deathbed, whatever. I don't know the day of my death. I better, you know, go over the family inheritance things right now with you. Um, only to find out he lives 43 years later. Second of all, another thing we find here... People of God get sick. And people of God get disheartened. Now, I I know that this is something that we don't want to oftentimes think about, but a lot of times we think, well, God, I'm a king's kid. I deserve Erico and tinted glass. Why am I in the fix I'm in? God goes, hey, being in this world, we are part of a fallen world. And that fallen world is always against you and me. It just seems to be that way. If there's a stick in the field, it can fall two ways. It'll fall the way that seems to be the most adverse to you. Why is that? We live in a fallen world. Don't blame God. The Bible says that man gave this world into the hands of Satan in the garden. God said, don't eat of the tree. Satan said, eat of the tree. Who's going to be your daddy? Man chose to eat of the tree and took orders from the devil. That's why we have the problems that we have in the world today. Now notice verse 3 says, Now therefore, speaking to Esau, the oldest son, who Isaac knew that the younger was supposed to serve the elder. This is not a surprise to Isaac. Isaac knew that. In fact, we remember his mother goes, wow, I've got twins in my stomach and they're duking it out inside of my tummy. She goes, what's going on, God? And he says, there's two nations within your stomach right now. And so understanding this, he, Isaac knew this as well. Now, it's really weird that sometimes how we desire or willfully or unwillfully to thwart the plan of God in our life. You can try to go around what God wants and ultimately because God is God and because there's an inclination in your heart to serve him, God will bring about his plan in spite of us. That's good news. Notice it says, Now therefore, bring your weapons, your quiver, your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me And make me that savory food which I love. And bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may rest before I die. Now, again, talk about being melodramatic here. Okay, you know, Esau, you're a great hunter. And you know how I love that beef jerky, okay? Well, I want you to go out. I want you to kill something and make me some jerky and bring it here and let me eat it before I die. He was going to live another 43 years. That's going to be a long piece of jerky, let me tell you. Well, here's the problem. He thought he was checking out. God says, you're not checking out yet. And he says, so go bring me what I want to eat. Now, it is interesting. Food has such a strange effect on people. Now, a couple of things. When we get to heaven, 
The Bible says there's a marriage supper of the Lamb. Tells me that we're all going to still be able to eat in heaven and that is good. I've shared this many times. As I get older in life, I don't care how high it flies. I don't care how fast it goes. It's how does it taste. I think that's real good. Now the thing is, I find that if I eat pepperoni pizza after about 8 o'clock at night, pepperoni pizza will keep me up all night. You know, it just works that way. We need to be careful with what we eat. Isaac says, hey, Esau, it's time for me to go over the will and, and bequeath to you what I want to do. So you go make me some of that really good tasty food I like, and I'm going to bless you. It's interesting that Isaac, who knew God, was willing to transgress what God had already told him because of something he wanted to eat. Now, the reason I say that is because oftentimes in the Bible, we elevate people to a place that we really probably shouldn't. The only one in the Bible we should really elevate anywhere is Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. But even the people in Jesus's day would go to Jesus and say, our father Abraham taught us. And as you know, if you've been coming here any length of time as we've been going through the book of Genesis, and we looked at the life of Abraham, we realized what kind of a rascal he really was. He wasn't doing things God's way. He was doing things Abraham's way. But there was an inclination in Abraham's heart that he loved God. And because of that, God used Abraham as God will use you in spite of all of us not crossing the T's or dotting the I's. But the thing is, Isaac said, you go get me some of that neat meat. I'm going to bless you. But he already knew the blessing was not supposed to go to Esau. The blessing was supposed to go to Jacob. Well, now look at this. Now, you go out and make me some of that good food before I die. Verse 5. Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went into the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, her half-brother, you might say. Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make me savory food for me that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Okay, let me stop right here for a second. Okay, so we have Isaac compromising what he knows the blessing is supposed to go to Jacob, but because he likes beef jerky, he's going to give it to Esau, okay? Rebecca listens in and says, uh-oh, this ain't good. Um, quick, Jacob, come here. Um, I, I, we we got to work this thing out. You do what I tell you to do. Now, what does she want him to do? Well, this is where everybody is deceiving everybody in the entire chapter. I don't know if anybody else has a problem with that. I do. Not that people deceive people. It's that God's blessing continues in spite of people's behavior. That's love, friends. You see, like I say, we can always love somebody that does it our way. But when they don't do it our way, and when we don't do it God's way, God's love continues. God's will will be done. If there's an inclination in your heart for God's will to be done. Do you have that today? Can you inside your heart say, you know, God, in spite of all the, the mud and the blood and the beer, I still want to do it your way. If you can truly say that, God's heart is alive in your heart and God's will will see you through. God is bigger than the things that we've done wrong. And if there's one thing you will get out of chapter 27 of Genesis, this is it. God's will be done. Now we see this here. And so he says, therefore, my son, verse eight again, do according to what I command you. Go now to the flock, bring me there two choice kids of goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and he may bless you before his death. 
So far, this sounds pretty sketchy, but wait, there's more. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth boy. Actually, it says I'm a smooth-skinned man. The word Esau means hairy. He came out of his mother's womb covered with hair. Now, that's weird, friends. A little red, hairy baby. Okay? Little baby baboon. Red and hairy, okay? Jacob is smooth-skinned, okay? He's saying, Mom, look. Esau's a hairy dude. I'm a smooth guy. You know, I don't have hair all over me. Now, the deception. Perhaps my father will feel me and shall seem to be to be a deceiver to him. And I shall bring a curse on myself, not a blessing. But his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother. His mother made the savory food such as his father loved. And Rebekah took the choice clothes from her elder's sons Esau, who were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. Now, the choice clothes. Something to remember, in those days, they didn't wash their clothes every other day or every day. And so the clothes would eventually start smelling like whatever you do. Now, if you're a car mechanic, you know what that means. If you're a dairyman, you know what that means. If you are out in the field a lot and you're around the different plants and stuff, you know what that means. So in order to fool him, his eyes were weak. Remember, we studied that in the first couple of verses. His eyes were were weak. She was going to make him look like Esau, smell like Esau, cook like Esau for the deception. So, she put the skins of the kids on her go- of the goats on his hands and the smooth part of his neck. So she, after they uh, got the goat, um, they took the skin of the goats and wrapped it around his neck. I mean, Esau must have been a really hairy guy. If you can take the skin of a goat, wrap it around your arm, if your blind father feels you and goes, oh yeah, you're Esau, and you feel like a goat? (laughs) These are things in the Bible that make me go, hmm. But it's true. And I've seen that. Yeah, I saw this on YouTube or whatever it was. But a guy was like really hairy, He was so hairy, he shaved his arms and looked like he had a wife beater t-shirt on. The the clothes were his hair, and he just shaved around so his... I, I don't know where that came from, but anyway. It's one of those images in your mind, you're going, nah, 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 and you're trying to get out of your head. But anyway, okay. She put the skins of the kid on his hands, smooth part of his neck. And she gave the savory food, the bread, which she had prepared, into the hands of her son Jacob. So he went into his father and said, My father! And he said, Here am I. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. Eh, lie. I have done just as you told me. Eh, lie. Because he didn't tell him. He told Esau, okay? I've done just as you told me. Please arise and set and eat my game that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord, your God, brought it to me. A lie. Do you notice a pattern here? That's what I love about people. Go, I'd go to church, but the walls would cave in. Well, then you ain't never read the Bible. 
Because every single thing we find here in this entire chapter is a lie. Except for one thing, the blessing of God. We're going to keep reading here. And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. Another lie. And I've done as you've told me. Another lie. Isaac said to his son, verse 20, How is it that you found it so quickly? Another lie. Verse 21, Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you're really Esau or not. Now at this point, I think Isaac began to realize something's fishy. So you come over here, I want to feel you. So Jacob went near to his Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And when he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands, and so he blessed him. And he said to him, are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am another. Do you get a point here? Now, friends, I know that many of you, the devil wants to come and beat you up and say, God won't use you because you have failed. And we begin to believe it because we don't know God's word. And because we don't know God's word, we begin to believe that God is done with us. We are finished. And the thing is, we end up drifting away from our love love for God. And God's love for us has never moved. He says, And when he did not recognize him because of his hands were hairy like his brother's Esau, he blessed him. Are you really my son? He said, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat my son's game so my soul may bless you. You look at that together. That's pretty sad, isn't it? Bring the... And I will eat, and then my soul may bless you. In other words... Isaac had sold out. Instead of saying, you know, I'm going to do what God wants me to do in spite of what food I like to eat. You you feed me what I like to eat and then I'll bless you. And so he said, it says, and he brought it, bring it near to me. And so my soul may bless you. And he brought it near to him. He ate and brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said to him, Come now and kiss me, my son. And he came now and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing, and blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is the smell of the field, which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you the dew of heaven, the fatness of the earth, the plenty of grain and wine, Let peoples serve you, nations bow down to you, be a master over your own brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. This is coming off of the old uh, covenant that God made with Abraham. I'll bless those that bless thee, curse those that curse thee. Now it happened soon as Isaac had finished the blessing blessing Jacob, that Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, and Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. And he also made the savory food, brought it to his father and said, Father, let my father arise and eat some of his son's game that you may bless me. And his father said to him, Who are you? And he said, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly. Now in the original Hebrew, this is like shaking violently on top of shaking violently. Scared to death. Trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted the game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came. And I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. 
And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me even also, O father. But Isaac said to him, Your brother came with deceit and is taken away your blessing. Isaac trembled exceedingly. Why? I believe Isaac realized at that point that God had corrected him. He knew he was not supposed to bless Esau. But because of his fleshly appetite, that savory food, he compromised what he knew God wanted him to do. And I believe this is why, and again, it doesn't come across this way in the English, but in the original Hebrew, he shook beyond shaking. He just melted down. And I believe it was because he realized that though he was going to do what he wanted, God still intervened and blessed the one that Isaac knew was the one that should have been blessed. Now it is interesting to me also that in these declarations, this is the the way things were done then. When you bless somebody, you bless somebody, basically you gave them the will to your things. And this is what Isaac really didn't, uh, Isaac really didn't care. All he wanted was a stomach full of the savory food. I'll bless whoever brings it to me. Isaac again, had compromised. I believe when he came into that, because this word trembled exceedingly means he was scared to death because of what he'd done or what he was going to do. Esau heard it and cried exceedingly with a great bitter cry. Bless me also, my father. But he said, your brother has come in deceit and taken away your blessing. Now, something important to remember here, Esau being the firstborn, Esau believing that the birthright was his was also a lie. Why is that? He sold his birthright to Jacob for a mess of pottage. Everyone in this story, nobody told the truth. Now, you say, Mike, what's all that's going? In spite of man's inability To do what God wants, God's will is still done. Wow. Friends, do you realize what a relief that is to you? That's why Paul says all things are lawful for you as a believer, but not all things are the best for you or expedient, as the Bible says. What that means is this. First of all, God is real. Second of all, This world is not spinning out of control. I know it's hard to not believe that as you watch the news. But this is all going according to what the Word of God says. Again, we've shared this before. Just because God knows the end from the beginning doesn't stop us from living it out. And as you live your life, you begin to see the hand of God, that mysterious, invisible hand of God in your life. Even that you're here today, think of the times that you know, that you know that you should have died. And miraculously, God preserved your life. That's the hand of God. And see, the thing is, you don't have to even sometimes be even real sensitive to spiritual things to see God's intervention in your life, even as a non-believer. God allows these things to cause us to be aware that he's God. You know, it's interesting. The book of Romans says the invisible attributes of God are clearly seen. The invisible attributes of God are clearly seen. Well, if it's invisible, how can you see it? Because you don't see everything in this life, friends, with your eyes. You see it sometimes in the spirit. Have you ever been around somebody? They look nice. They smile sweet. And there's an unction inside of you that says, don't trust this person. Have you ever seen something that you thought, well, I'm going to... I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And something happens and then you find out if that thing hadn't happened that you might have been part of that pile up on the freeway. 
we begin to realize that there's more going on in the unseen realm that a lot of times even we want to admit, even as Christians. The Bible says the, the footsteps of a righteous man are divinely orchestrated. You see, when you realize that God's got so much more than what we're just seeing on a daily basis, that we need to see through spiritual eyes, the invisible attributes of God are clearly seen. I believe this is why Isaac shook, scared to death. Because he realized, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless Esau, even though I'm supposed to bless Jacob. And then he ends up blessing Jacob anyway. No wonder he shook. Now here's another thing. We just read that. Let's review. Let's go back to the previous chapter, verse 35. The two wives that that Esau took, verse 35, they were a grief in the mind of Isaac and Rebekah. He knew there was something seriously wrong in the heart of Esau. Yet because of his carnal, fleshly desires, he was willing to compromise what God wanted instead of for what he wanted. Didn't get away with it. Now isn't that amazing? The Bible says that the things that the devil intended for your demise, God turns around and makes them for your good. Only God can do that. Religion of the world can't do that. And, and I've shared this so many times, but it's so amazing because I watch it. You know, you'll be flipping through television and you'll come across, you know, the, the docu-channels or whatever. And you'll see the, the temples and the Buddhas and all these things. And they all got the little people bowing down and incense burning and, you know, trying to get right with God. It's interesting, within the human kind of man, we know that we're at enmity with God. We're, we're an enemy of God. And I don't care whether you go into Asia, you go around the world, you'll find people trying to get on the good side of God through religious practice, burning incense, repetitious prayers, all these things, somehow to get on the good side of God. Well, here's the point. You're on the good side of God in Jesus Christ. Jesus appeased the Father. You don't have to burn incense. You don't have to recite prayers. You don't have to crawl up the Sistine Chapel on your knees on broken glass. God paid it all for you. That's good news. You're appeased. But here's what makes real Bible Christianity different than the religions of the world. God is bigger than the things you've done wrong. And God rebuilds you. No other religion offers that. If you listen to them, they might tell you how maybe you can get right with God. It's not true, but they'll tell you that. But they never say, hey, and by the way, God will rebuild your life. They don't tell you that because God, their God can't. Yours can. And in spite of what we're reading today, God's will was accomplished. He'd scarcely gone out, the Bible says. Esau walks in. And then he realized what had happened. And Esau said, verse 36, Is he not rightly named Jacob? No, the name Jacob means heel catcher. He came out of his mother's womb holding onto the heel of Esau, which is not a good name. It means scoundrel or, or surplanter or I'm going to take advantage of you. Imagine naming your kid. Oh, you're a cute little kid. Why don't I call you Dirty Sneaky Thief? Oh, that's a good name. Gee, Mom, Dad, couldn't you have thought of a better name? That's what they means. Dirty Sneaky Thief. Yeah, I should have known. His, his, name, is, his name is Jacob. So, isn't he rightly named that? For he supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now look, he's taken away my blessing. He didn't take away his birthright. He sold it to Jacob for a mess of pottage. 
Have you not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I have made him your master. All of his brethren that I have given to him as servants, with grain and wine I have sustained him. What now shall I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me even also, O father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Not because he was sorry, but because he didn't get the goodies. You know, it's noteworthy here that <clears throat> Jacob went on as father of the Hebrew, one of the fathers of the Hebrew race. We still have him with us today. Esau, on the other hand, was the father of the Edomites. The Edomites were always an enemy of Israel. And the last known Edomite in the Bible is Herod the Great. He was the last one. After him, we find no more record of any more Edomites. They're gone. They're missing. Now he says, Isaac's, Then Isaac, his father, answered and said, Behold, your dwelling shall be the dwelling of fatness of the earth and the dew of heaven above. But your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. And Esau hated his brother because of the blessing which his father had blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. In other words, when my dad kicks off, days of mourning are over, Jacob's dead. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by his intention to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise and flee to my brother Laban in Haran. And stay with him a few days until your brother's anger turns away. And until your brother turns away, his anger turns away from you and he forgets what he has done to, what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring him back, bring you back from there. Why should I be, I be bereaved also of you both in one day? And so Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth, like these are the daughters in the land, what good will my life be to me? He goes, she says, I'm sending you away for two reasons. One, to get out of the wrath of your brother. And also, you don't want a wife from around these parts. These women are nutsy and you need to get out of town. So you go back and find a wife from my father's, you know, from my brother's family. Sends him back. Now you look at this. And um, <clears throat> he, um, his anger kindled against him. He feels that uh, he made a deal. He had remorse. He had tears. He, he was sorry. Not sorry before God. He was sorry he made the deal in sell, selling him his, his birthright for a mess of pottage. You know, there's an old saying be careful what you sign. I believe, friends, we, we need to be aware of that. Be careful what you sign. Be careful what you commit yourself to. See, Esau had no use for the birthright. He had no use for being the spiritual leader of the family. Fathers, dads, I want to encourage you, be the spiritual leader of your family. When your kids go to bed at night, go in and kneel down by their bed and lay your hands on them and kiss them and pray for them. And when you're done praying, then let them pray. And if you hear strange things coming out of, your, out of their little mouths, you'll be able to know how to correct it. Be the spiritual leader. Grandma, Grandpa, today because we have such a post-Christian era, 
You may need to be that spiritual governance in your family's life. Be that. You say, but Mike, I only have them for a couple of weeks out of the, out of the year when they come and spend the summer with me. Then you be the, the very best spiritual influence that you can be in their little lives to let them know, first of all, there's a God who loves and loves them. You're not always going to be around. I'm not always going to. Every, every single night I pray with my little daughter. And, and, and what I really love about it is if I miss, because I'm busy sometimes, I feel this little pull on my leg. And she'll say, Daddy, come pray with me. And I'll tell you, when somebody says that to you, I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if you're in the kitchen getting ice cream. I don't care if you're out in the, out in the shop working on a bolt. When somebody pulls on your leg and says, Daddy, come pray with me, I drop it all and I go, sorry, honey. And we go in and pray every night. I really believe, friends, that again, that spiritual governance, that birthright that God has given you, especially dads, fathers, That male role that is so important that is horribly missing in our entire society today. I've shared this so many times. But you go back and watch the the, uh, TV sitcoms of the 1960s, 61, 62. Whether it's the Andy Griffith show, Father Knows Best, My Three Sons. Dad was always there and Dad always had the right answer. But today, Bart Simpson... The Simpsons. Dad is the stupidest person in the room. The 13-year-old kid sitting in the corner knows so much more than dad does. And fathers are dissed by Hollywood to the point of the stupidest individuals that live on this earth. If you don't believe me, watch TV. Wow, that's a different thing for a pastor to say, ain't it? But you'll notice that dads are always the doofus in the room. Why is that? Because you represent a father image. That same father image that your father in heaven wants to reveal to you. And if you can destroy the father image, our father which art in heaven doesn't mean a whole lot anymore, does it? See, that's the way the devil works. He goes after anything that is a value. Friends, this morning, we looked at a crazy story. Everybody lying, deceiving everyone. But nevertheless, Jacob walks away with the blessing. Could it have been different? I think so. I don't think any of this would have been necessary. As an example, going back to that last verse of the last chapter, and they were a grief in the mind of Isaac and Rebekah, these wives that Esau had taken. And it may very well been that all maybe Rebekah would have had to say to Isaac was, you know, honey, we really can't give him the birthright. First of all, you know what God said. And second of all, you know his pagan wives are dragging him the wrong way. Let's not do that. And Isaac could have said, yeah, but I still like the beef jerky. No, he could have said, you're right. We'll just bless Jacob instead. All the lying, all the deception, everything would have gone away. But it's interesting to me how God works in mysterious and strange ways. Friends, you are not, first of all, saved by accident. Second of all, you're not here or listening to this by accident. And third, you have to realize the spiritual birthright that God has given you, especially men. That God wants you to be the spiritual leader of your home. And how do we do that? Well, first of all, we learn from a daddy in heaven. You see, that's not hard. If you have a relationship with your father in heaven, you think about how he takes care of us and how God in heaven doesn't give me everything I want. Thank the Lord. When we pray, have you noticed? We pray and sometimes says, God says yes. And I go, yay. And sometimes God says, wait. And I go, okay. And then God says sometimes, no. And I stomp my feet and I go, you don't love me anymore. 
That's what kids do. And then you start growing in Jesus. And you pray and God says no. The invisible attributes of God are clearly seen. And then maybe a month, a week, a year, a decade later, you look and see what would have happened if God would have gave you what you were screaming so bad you wanted. And you go, oh God, thank you. Thank you, you said no. And as you get older in the Lord, you're going to find something, and I promise you. When daddy says no, say thank you. You know, the Bible says God will withhold no good thing from you. And if God says no, you just say, Father knows best. You're going to be so much farther ahead than being like an immature, bratty, King's kid that says, I thought you loved me. How come all this is going wrong? Is it possible for a mature Christian to act that way? Oh, I've acted that way a lot in my life. Doesn't mean I want to. It just simply means I have to go back to what real salvation is. He knows everything. I know nothing. He knows more about tomorrow than I remember about yesterday. All God wants me to do is say, okay, God, I'm in you. Do your plan. I don't want to get into all this stuff that we just read about. Just do what you want to do in my life. You see, God's will will still be accomplished in our life. But oh, we go through so many grievous things. I think one of the most grievous things that we read about here, you don't find this unless you do some research, Rebecca says, now go to my brother Laban's house. This was the last time that Jacob would ever see his mother alive. You see that separation, this having to run for your life because of what you did, because of all the things that should have never really happened, because the anointing of God was there. God says the, el- the elder will serve the younger. All of that was all unnecessary. But because of that, there's a price to pay, and he never saw his mother alive again. You see, there's a price to pay for rebellion. Doing it God's way is so much better. You say, well, I don't need to accept Christ as my Savior. I'm the master of my destiny. I did it my way. Poor old Frankie boy, that doesn't do anything for you on Judgment Day, does it? It's about being about your father's business. This morning, if you've never turned your life over to God, you're still lying, you're still conniving, you're still doing all this kind of stuff to try to make it happen. Repent and just say, Lord, from this day forward, I want to do it your way. You're going to find your life excel because of the time no longer wasted in deception. This morning, if you've never prayed and asked Christ in your life and you said, I know, that's the way I've lived my life. I, I got to remember who I've lied to to make everything work because, man, it gets so complicated. I just want to invite you this morning to come to Christ. The Bible says he'll forgive you. The weight's gone. And when the weight is gone, you're free to be who God made you. If you've ever prayed and you don't want another five years, ten years, month or year like you just had, you pray this. Give it to God. From this day forward, be about your father's business. And that's what we repent from is doing it our way. And okay, God, I'm going to do it your way. You're going to find yourself blessed by the King of Kings. If you want to pray, you pray along with me. Those listening by radio, you pray as well. Let God do something brand new in your life. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. And I am sorry for the lies and the deceptions that I have allowed to govern my life. To try to make me something that I'm not. So I turn it all over to you. I'm putting it all on you, God. And so now I ask you, make me the best I can be in you. 
I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins and so now I'm free in you. Thank you for eternal life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, please. So I have power to speak of you and love for the lost. And I can be about your business forever. And so I commit my life now into your hands. Keep me, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it. You say, well, I I, I didn't sign a pledge card. No, you didn't. All you need to do is just pray and say, okay, God, it's yours now. And you know, God blesses you. He takes you at your word. I've had people, I've shared this before, people say, well, how can just a prayer change your whole destiny? You know what? The same way that you sign the back of your pink slip of your car. And now it's not your car anymore. It's somebody else's car. Just a signature. Your house that you used to live in. You sign the title deed away. It's not your house anymore. Or you sign a title deed and now it becomes your house. Just a little signature changes where you live. A simple prayer changes where you're going to spend eternity. So being about your father's business. I want to encourage you. Start reading your Bible if you prayed that this morning. Or if you've come home to God this morning. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John's a good place to read and read. God will speak to you. The Bible says to get baptized. We'll have a baptism as soon as we can get through all this, whatever it is, COVID stuff. And be in fellowship. You're going to grow. And you're going to enjoy the fellowship of the saints. You're going to, they're going to be strengthened. You're not going to be believing stuff that isn't of God. I've heard so much stuff now that they think this is God and it's not. It has nothing to do with the Bible. It has nothing to do with God. And yet they believe this stuff. Jesus said we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I don't want to live by anything else. Because that's going to just waste time. False hope. Empty dreams. Letting God be God. This morning, if you prayed that, welcome to God's family. As we close this morning, I just want to encourage you to let God be God in your life. Live in his truth. Live in his love. Again, dads, recognize the spiritual blessing God has given to you to reflect his glory in a world that doesn't know him. Father, for every person that said yes to you, just ask you, God, that your Holy Spirit would anoint every person listening today. And Lord, that we haven't sinned so bad, that we've messed it up so much that you won't work with us. God, thank you for this chapter that shows in spite of everything everybody did wrong, your will was still accomplished because they wanted it to be accomplished. This morning, we just give you our lives. So we'll be about your business. And we love you and thank you. And may-